Man. Nice job, Michael. I'm not going to lie, I had kind of lower expectations of Michael this morning. <laughs> well, this is what happened. Last night, Michael and Andrea and my wife and I, we went on a little double date. We went and saw um, Jason Aldean, uh, got our like southern uh, crunk on out at uh, Shoreline. And, uh, you know, I don't know if you're a country fan or if you just judge me and you're tuned out at that point, but it doesn't matter. Um, but we went we went, uh, had a great time um, underneath the... Uh, our Amarillo Sky. That's a little shout out for Jason Aldean people. Anyway, I had a great time. It was super fun. Um, but I, I thought it was going to be a, a country concert. I thought we were going to go and listen to country music, and I was going to get to sit close to my wife and snuggle and kiss and, you know, have a good time. But I started to feel bad kind of as the concert started going because I realized maybe this isn't a country concert. I think it might have actually been like a charity concert for people who were struggling with cancer or glaucoma or something because the amount of medicinal marijuana that was being smoked was like, it was overwhelming and I wanted to enjoy the concert but I felt bad for the people around us and so I prayed for them. And, uh, and it was interesting as I was, as we were watching the concert and you know, everything was going on, I was like, I, I know that there might be a lot of ca- cancer patients here and everything but I'm pretty sure when the rules, the rules said very clearly not to smoke. Um, and the smoke what, that was a whole different deal. But the rules said, and the reason why I know the rules is because on the way to the concert, Kate and I wanted to know what the rules were of this place. We wanted to know what kind of food we could bring in. Could we bring chairs? What time the doors open? So we're looking at the little fact sheet. We're looking at all the rules of Shoreline Amphitheater. And it says really clearly, do not smoke. And there's all these other, like, you can't bring in alcohol. And there's certain chairs you can't bring. And there's this whole list of rules. And as I'm watching the concert, I'm like, oh, look at all these rule breakers. There are rule breakers everywhere. And I'm like, is security going to do something? Are people going to come in and help these people understand that I know the girls' line is long, but girls don't get to go in the boys' bathroom? You know, like, this is the boys' bathroom. Like, where is security when you need them? And um, what I realized is, uh, is the vibe of the place, it was kind of lawless. It was kind of ratchet almost, if you think about it. And um, the deal was that people did whatever they wanted. They did whatever they wanted, and security did not get involved. And in fact, the only, there's only one rule um, at Shoreline, it seemed. And that rule was simply don't, as much as you can help, ruin anyone else's concert experience. Right? That's a pretty nice rule. And, uh, and I experienced this rule. We were sitting down on the grass, and this mob of like, people stood in front of us, and were doing their dancing thing, and were like, uh, you're ruining our concert experience. And they're like, oh. Sorry, man. And then they moved on. And, and so that's the only rule. All, like, there's the official rules, and no one cares about the official rules, right? But then there's like the main rule, which is don't ruin the concert for anyone else, man. And so they didn't. They moved on. And uh, the more I thought about it, the more I wrestled through that, I was thinking, you know, the truth is, we're the exact same way. There's the rules. There's the law. And if you think of all the laws from federal, state, county, local, whatever, there's so many laws. And truthfully, we're like, who cares about the law? Right? I mean, I drive over the speed limit all the time, just a mile, but just enough to be like, I'm a rebel. I, I, no one's going to tell me what to do. You know, but we all, we, there's laws, and we don't really care about the laws. Because the truth is, the only law that matters is don't hurt anyone else, man. Like, let them, you do what you're going to do, I'm going to do what I'm going to do. And all those laws, they don't really matter. Because, and especially looking at you guys, you're so beautiful and handsome. You know, you're good people. You don't break the laws. And if you do, there's a good reason for it. And if you actually do hurt somebody, um, you didn't mean to do that. I get that. And, and even, um, you, but what's funny is you see this also on uh, one of my favorite TV shows, which they discontinued. I don't even understand. It was the best show on television, Cops. Remember that show? <laughs> right? 
And if you've been on Cops as either a perp or, you know, a guy, like, you're welcome here. But for the most part, you watch Cops and you're like, when are they going to take their shirt off? You know, like, you're like, what is going on with these guys? And, but what's funny is every time someone gets arrested on Cops, they're like, what, man? I I didn't do anything. And they're like, what's all this? I don't know, man. You know, it's always like, they don't know. And the truth is, it's in our DNA. There's the law and no one cares about the law. Nobody cares about the law except for our main law, which is don't hurt anybody if you can help it. That's kind of like our real law. And it's the law of the concert. It's the law of our culture. And the truth is, it's even the law of the church. I mean, our church lives within a culture. We can't like be this certain way in the church and then not be a part of our culture. I mean, the culture informs and shapes us. And we as a church, you know, we, we know that there's the law, but basically it's like, hey, don't judge, man. Don't hurt anybody else as much as you can help it. And what's interesting is this lawlessness has kind of filtered its way over the last 50 or 60 years all the way down uh, to our students, if you can believe that. And uh, I, we had our senior road trip. Every year we take our seniors, we go on this road trip, and uh, we're having dinner one night, and the conversation around the table is, so what are the markers? What are the things that we as Christians can do and not do? Because I know all the bad ones. We shouldn't drink. We shouldn't smoke. You know, we, got, we have to wait till we get married to have sex. We can't watch this show. We should, probably shouldn't pirate music, whatever. We all have these rules. But when they look around, they see everyone in their culture and everyone in our church going, doing that stuff. They're like, well, so what, what's the rule? What are the rules so that we know that we're doing the right thing? And that is a really hard question. And, uh, and I, I'm not going to lie, I was stumped because I'm like, well, you shouldn't do this. I'm like, oh, but I know your family. I know what's going on there. And, and I do that. And so, but I'm, I'm mature and I know, it's, I know it's right and what's wrong. And, uh, and so we, I just think we need to own that we are a lawless people. We hate the law. We even hate God's law, if we're honest. And, uh, but yet we get inside of us somehow that there is some rules, there's some laws, there's some way in which we're supposed to behave as Christians on this journey. How are we supposed to behave? And so the question I want to wrestle with this morning is um, what what, I forgot, yeah, what laws are we supposed to follow? That's the question I want to wrestle. What laws are we supposed to follow? And if, you, if you're familiar with Scripture at all, we love Jesus because Jesus loves people. He loves people like us. You know, we're sinful, we're broken, we screw up all the time. And he looks at us and goes, I love you. Just try not to sin too much anymore. Like, that's how we interpret it, right? And the people that Jesus rails on are the Pharisees. They're the ones who, they love the law. They follow the law. And all Jesus does is blow up the Pharisees, which if you just kind of have this cursory view of Scripture, you're like, yeah. Those love, those, you know, legalistic people, God hates them. We love that. We're like, yeah, Jesus, lay it down. And so this morning, we're going to see Jesus blow up the Pharisees again. And us, our lawlessness is going to be like, yes. But before we get too comfortable in our lawlessness, uh, we're going to kind of unpack it a little bit. We're going to wrestle with it a little bit. Because I think what we're going to find is the laws that we are to follow are so much harder, so much more challenging, and take so much more maturity than a simple do this and don't do that. So that's what we're going to try to do this morning. So if you have your Bible, please open up to Matthew chapter 12. It's kind of a long passage of scripture. Uh, you can blame Art for that. It went on forever. I'm like, geez, Louise. But we're going we're gonna to unpack it and spend the time. There. So Mark, Mark, no, Matthew chapter 12. So if you would pray with me and uh, we will just spend our morning going through Matthew chapter 12. Excuse me. I'm a little tired as well because I'd have gone home late for my Jason Aldean concert. I know no one cares. It wasn't my people. Let's be honest. Okay, here we go. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this morning. Thank you for this time with my friends. Thank you that you are such a gracious and kind and holy and pure God. This whole deal with the law is so confusing. We have so many experiences on every way in which to approach it, 
and that informs how we approach it this morning, God. But I pray that we would just take one small step back, that we would settle into our chairs, that we would be quiet and calm, and we'd spend a little time in your word this morning. And we ask that you, through your word, God, would mold us and shape us and conform us to your image. May you get all the honor and glory. Amen and amen. Okay, so the question is, what laws as Christians are we supposed to follow? And here we are, Matthew chapter 12. Jesus is doing, doing his thing, healing people, uh, eating with sinners, you know, all the normal stuff we love about him. And, uh, and here we find ourselves. So at that time, Jesus went through the grain fields on the Sabbath. Now, if you're Jewish, old school Jewish, the Sabbath is like the main thing. If you want to know what, a distinct, what set Jewish people apart from everybody else, it was three things. It was circumcision, the Sabbath, and the, the kosher food laws. Everything else, was, they kind of muddled, but those were their things. And the Sabbath, what's, what does the Sabbath mean? Do not work on the Sabbath, keep that day holy. Well, what does work mean? I don't know. And so you have all these legal scholars debating over and over and over again what in the world the law is. And I mean, sorry, what, what work means. And they kind of, they, they, they settled after about 500 years, they settled that you can walk less than half of a mile. If you walk less than half a mile, that's not work. Uh, if you walk around your property, that's not work. But if you walk over that, that is work and you can be, get in big trouble. And there's like thousands and thousands of laws around the Sabbath. And the Pharisees, they love the law. They love the rules. They love looking around and going, hmm, are you following the rules or are you not following the rules? And Jesus was this teacher, right? He was becoming uh, infamous or notorious or famous, depending on how you viewed him at the time. And they wanted to go, what is up with this guy? And they wanted to say, listen, this guy is a rule breaker. Our number one law that we do is that we hold the Sabbath, and he is breaking it. And so they're trying to find a way to trick Jesus to show that it to his disciples and everybody that he wasn't really Jewish, he wasn't really from God, and that's what this battle is all about. Right from there through the grain fields on the Sabbath. How fun. Now, the disciples were hungry. I mean, have you ever been hungry on a Saturday? Totally. So they were hungry, and they began to pick some heads of grain and eat them. Now, um, when the Pharisees saw this, they said to him, look, your disciples are doing what is unlawful on the Sabbath. And there was like a gazillion rules. Were they walking too far? Was this their neighbor's grain field? Was the grain from inside the, the, the field, or was it from the outside the field? Did they pluck the grain and eat it? Did they pluck the grain and like, you know, whatever they do with their hands to take this, I don't know anything about farming, but they take the stuff off so they can eat the grain? I don't know. There's all these different rules, and the Pharisees bust out on Jesus and say, look, your disciples are doing what is unlawful on the Sabbath. And if you've been around the church or you have bad experience in the church, we all know those people. Look, you are screwing up. You are breaking the law. You get the shun. We all know those people. And, uh, and then Jesus has this confrontation with the Pharisees, which we love. And he begins, he says, he answered, haven't you read what David did when his and his companions were hungry? He entered the house of God and he and his companions ate the consecrated bread, which was not lawful for them to do, but only for the priests. Or haven't you read in the law that the Pharisees, um, haven't you read in the law that the priests on the Sabbath duty um, in the temple desecrated the Sabbath and yet are innocent? I tell you that something greater than the temple is here. If you had known what these words mean, I desire mercy and not sacrifice, you would not have condemned the innocent. For the Son of Man is the Lord of the Sabbath. So right out of the gate, when we think about what are the laws that we are to follow, the first law that we as followers of Christ are to follow is the law not of the Sabbath, but is the law of mercy. That is the first law. And I love this passage. In three passages, Jesus basically takes the Pharisees and just gives them an Old Testament Bible lesson. You ready for that? You, are you so fired up for an Old Testament Bible lesson? 
Yeah, JL is. Everyone else is like, no, we just want lunch. I know. But I got like 10, 15, 20 more minutes, so strap in. Here we go. <laughs> Old Testament Bible lesson. Here we go. So he says, your disciples, look, they're doing what is unlawful. Jesus re- replies, haven't you read what David did when his companions were hungry? Now, first of all, Jesus technically broke the law somehow. The Pharisees knew. Jesus knew. And uh, Jesus is going to say, all right, if you think I broke the law, let's take a look. You love the scriptures. You love the law. Let's start unpacking it. So the first thing Jesus does is, remember that time when David was hungry and he ate the bread, the sacred bread that only were for priests. Now you're like, what? But the Pharisees knew, oh, you're talking about 1 Samuel 22. I love that story. Well, let me give you caught up. This is the story in 1 Samuel 22. King Saul, this is what, he was like the first king of Israel. He went crazy. And uh, David, who remember him, David and Goliath, uh, he then starts playing the flute for Saul. They become besties. And, uh, but then Saul goes crazy and is going to kill David. Now David's like, I don't want to die, right? You wouldn't want to die. So he takes his buddies and they get out of town. But on the way out of town, they're starving. They're hungry. And so they go, ah, we're good Jewish people and we know that the priests keep extra bread in the temple. It's like Matt and I on a work day, we're like, we're starving. Oh, the church after Alpha, there's always Hector's food. We're sorry, Hector, but sometimes he doesn't always take the dessert, and we know where that is. And so we, not you, Matt, just me, I guess. Um, but that's what happened. David is getting out of town, and um, David's getting out of town, and he goes into the temple because he knows there's bread there, and he takes the bread for his people, and he gets out of there. And then all of a sudden, um, I forget how to pronounce his name, um, Ahimelech which probably isn't how you pronounce it, but that's how I'm going to pronounce it. Ahimelech is the main priest of the time. He's in charge of the temple, and he sees David. And Ahimelech could have said, David, what you are doing is unlawful. You are breaking the law. You have desecrated the temple, and you deserve death. He could have done that. But Ahimelech knew that David wasn't just running for his life. David was God's anointed. And Ahimelech knew that by serving David, he was serving God, and he was showing David mercy. David broke the rules. David broke the law, and Ahimelech showed him mercy. So Jesus says, don't you know about David? Ahimelech the priest showed him mercy, basically saying, so back off, show me mercy. And then he goes, well, haven't you read in the law that the priest on the Sabbath duty, that uh, on the Sabbath duty is to desecrate the temple? I'm sorry, I'm struggling here. Verse 8, 5. Or haven't you read in the law that the priests on the Sabbath duty in the temple desecrate the Sabbath and yet are innocent? Right? All through the Old Testament, the first five books, and especially in Numbers, there's all these rules, what you can do, what you cannot do, and what priests should do and not do. Everywhere says, do nothing on the Sabbath. But yet in Numbers 28, it says, hey, priests on the Sabbath offer these two sacrifices. Which is really weird. Why would God say do nothing, but you priests do this thing? I don't even know, because it was like this whole big book I had to read, and I didn't have time. You wouldn't care. So I just flipped. But the deal is, The priest desecrated the Sabbath. God said, like God told them to do your duty, even though it's the Sabbath for everybody else, I'm going to show you mercy. So on the Sabbath, you do this thing and you get mercy. So Jesus is saying the priest showed David mercy. God showed the priest mercy. And then this last example is awesome. And if you had known what these words mean, I desire mercy, not sacrifice, you would not have condemned the innocent for the Son of Man is the Lord of the Sabbath. And you think, I love that. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. You love that story. I love that story. That's a beautiful verse. But if you were an Old Testament scholar, if you were a Pharisee, you're like, wait a second. I know that. That's from Hosea. Hosea 6.6. They didn't have 6.6, but they knew where in Hosea was. And uh, if you don't know the story of Hosea, Hosea is this awesome story. Hosea is this prophet. This is why you should never pray boldly. Hosea prays, God, I love you. I want to know your heart, and I will do whatever you ask. 
I want to know your heart for our people, thinking God's going to let him have the hammer of judgment. And he gonna be, gets to be one of those prophets. But instead, God says, great, Hosea. There's this beautiful woman, Gomer, which the name's not that beautiful, but she is beautiful. She also just happened to sleep with everybody in the town. You get to marry her. That's what God says. God's like, what? In, Hosea's like, what in the world? I wanted to like drop the hammer. And Hose, Gomer should have been taken to the edge of town and stoned to death. And God says, you are going to marry Gomer because the Israelite people are like Gomer. They are my people. I love them like a husband loves his wife. But you are like this wayward wife who takes my love and just humiliates me all day. And God should have just taken Israel and crushed them. But instead, God, through Hosea, says, I am going to show Gomer and Israel mercy. And so in this little Old Testament study, Jesus, right out of the gate, one, two, three, says, listen, the priest showed David mercy, God showed the priest's mercy, and God showed the people mercy. So you Pharisees, the number one law is not sacrifice. It is not how far do you walk on the Sabbath or not, how far do you not walk on the Sabbath. The number one mercy is that you show, of the law is that you show mercy. For the people who are loving and serving God in a way that you don't get, you show them mercy. For the people who are totally screwing up and doing messed up things like Gomer was, you show them mercy. That's the number one law that, that God lays through Jesus on the Pharisees. We love mercy. At least being, we love it for ourselves. Sometimes it's harder to give to others. All right. Then he goes on, the second, the second law. Going from that place, he went into the synagogue, and a man with a shriveled hand was there, and looking for a reason to bring charges against Jesus, they asked him, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath? If you think about it, how cruel are the Pharisees? Now, you've never done this, but to win an argument, you know, sometimes people just say the rudest and cruelest and do the most messed up things. And if you think about it, they're in church, and someone with, you know, someone with a, a shriveled arm, and the Pharisees say, this guy. Is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath? This guy, you know, making that guy feel awkward, putting Jesus on the spot, and everyone in the crowd's like, this is awkward. What do we do here? Well, then Jesus says, if any of you has a sheep and it falls into a pit on the Sabbath, will you not take hold of it and lift it out? How much more valuable is a person than a sheep? Therefore, it is lawful to do good on the Sabbath. Then he said to the man, stretch out your hand. And so he stretched it out, and it was completely restored just as the sound, um, just as sound as the other. But the Pharisees went out and plotted how they might kill Jesus. And I love this passage of Scripture because we love mercy. We love showing mercy. That makes sense. This next one's a little bit harder. The, 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 law, the other law that Jesus highlights here is that we are to follow the law of justice. We are to follow the law of justice, which means that we, as followers of Christ, we do the right thing. We don't go, oh, sorry, it's church day. I don't have time for you. No, we follow the law of justice. One of my favorite things about working with high schoolers and middle schoolers is because it's the last time in their entire life that they have to be with people that they don't want to be with. Do you remember back in high school? You're on campus. You're all Mustangs. Whatever your school is, right? You're all that people, and you have to be with them. And you're developing as a person. You're figuring out your own thing. You got all this, you know, all these hormones going. And on top of that, you're with people you don't even like and don't even like you. And so bullying on campus is one of the worst things that happens because everyone's trying to figure out who they are and where they fit. And you're with all these unsafe people who you don't even like. And, and so what happens is people get messed up. People get bullied. And we think about what is the right thing to do? Well, if we are to do the right thing, if we are to follow justice, what do we do? We stand up for the bully. I mean, you stand up for the, those who are being bullied. That's what I meant to say, right? <laughs> I have problems. 
And if you read through all of Scripture, we see that over and over again in Scripture. God's heart is for the poor, for the oppressed, for the orphan, for the widow, for the least of these, for those with awful acne. That is who God is for, not the beautiful, perfect people, not the people with all the power. And in a high school campus, bullying is the worst. And it's like the only context, like the last context in your life that you actually confront true injustice because you have to be around people. And the Christian, the follower of Christ says, you know what? I don't just turn the other way. I don't, like we think, oh, don't bully people. I can do that. That's not what God's saying. That's the easy law. That's what simple people do. The follower of Christ says, no, I stand up for those who are being bullied. And I love working with high schoolers because it is awful and dirty and challenging because it is. It's the only time where you are confronted with all the injustices in our context. Because after that, right, you go to college and you have a group of friends or you go to work and we've all isolated ourselves that we have this group of people that are our people. And in my group of people, I don't see justice. I don't see poverty. I don't see the poor. I don't see the oppressed. I just see my people and we all love each other. And so as long as I don't do bad things, then I'm doing the right thing. And God's like, no, you miss it. We are called to do justice. We don't just hang out with our people and think, I'm not doing bad things. That's easy. That's the, that's, the, that's the easy stuff. The hard stuff is to look around and say, who are the poor? Who are the oppressed? Who are those that are being wrecked? Who actually needs my space and time? And I love my space and time. And someone comes up to me all crying. I'm like, I got to go to Chipotle. Like, I'm awful that way. I need my space and time. And God says, no, we do what is right. We do what is just. And we do it socially we do it economically. We think about how do we spend our money? We need to think about what does our money contribute for? What does it go towards? Is it, going, is, it for, is it like taking advantage of people economically or is it lifting people up economically? Justice doesn't just go, don't, don't buy that, don't do that. That's easy. The justice that God calls us to is to be proactive in how we use our time and our money and also in our personal lives to do the right thing. We live in a lawless context, let's be honest. And you know we're lawless because every now in the news it's like, someone left their wallet and somebody actually turned it in. We're like, what? What kind of idiot does that? No one does that. They might take the money, then maybe turn it in, right? It's, it's beyond us. No one does the right thing anymore because we all do whatever we want. But justice is about doing the right thing socially, financially, as well as personally. So if you want to know what is the law, what, God, what law does God cause to follow? is the law of mercy we are to follow. We are to follow the law of justice. These are big boy and girl things. This is, no, this is not like kindergarten, Sunday school. This is like big time meat. And the last law is equally challenging. We are to follow the law of humility. Now you are more whole than me, but for me in my world, I am the most important person. What I want, when I want it, what I want to eat, where I want to go, what I want to do, who I want to be. All those questions in neutral are informed by me and by my needs and by my desires. Nobody wants someone to, telling them what to do. Right? If I came here today and said, listen, we're in Covenant Church. I know you love God. I know you love Jesus. But from this point forward, you can only watch G-rated movies, and they can't even be from Disney because we're boycotting Disney for whatever reason. If you're a true follower of Jesus, that's the new law. Every single one of you, except for like a kindergarten, is like, I love Pixar. Um, and they might even borrow to Disney now, so I might have messed up. But every single one of you would be like, no, I'm out. There's this thing in you, right? We hate the law. We hate people telling us what to do. We hate having people in charge of us. And Jesus, the reason the Pharisees hated him is because Jesus showed up on the scene and said, you think all you have to do is follow these little laws and you're good to go. No, Jesus showed up and said, 
I am the Lord of the Sabbath. You follow the law, I'm the Lord of the law. You can't just do this, 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 and this. If you want to be my follower, you follow me. And the, the Pharisees were flipped out. Like, they didn't want to kill him just because they had more people at his church than their church. No, they wanted to kill him because Jesus equated himself with God. Jesus said, God, the person you worship, the Holy One of all time, I'm him in the flesh. And they said, that's it. You need to die. But we need to understand the law that God calls to follow is the, God, is the law of humility, is the law where we step back and go, I am not the center of the universe. Now, what I love about Scripture, what I love about God's Word, is that even if you could care less about God, even if you could care less about Jesus, even if it doesn't make any sense for you, these first, those laws in themselves are what good people do. If you want to win friends, have influence, be special in your group, if you show people mercy, if you do the right thing, and if you're a humble person, you are going to go far. I love that. How cool. You could hate Jesus, and doing the things of Jesus are going to help you. But this last one, humility, is a special call to the church. It's a special call for those of us who come and raise our hands in worship, and we go, we love you, Jesus. Jesus says, do you? Because the law of humility is what I'm asking you to follow. I am the Lord of the Sabbath. And if you think about it, Jesus' only laws— Every time he hangs out with the Pharisees, every time he hangs out with people, this is really his law. Follow me. Don't follow you. Follow me. And we think that's easy, but it's not. It's words, but when Jesus isn't here telling us what to do, so we have to kind of intuitively figure it out. But that is the call. That's why we gather as a church. That's what we are trying to do. We are trying to understand this invisible, mysterious God somehow wants us to die to ourselves, to take ourselves out of the most important chair in the room and put Jesus there and become more and more like him. That is a challenge. And when we do, when we realize that, we realize the call to follow Jesus is the call to become more and more like him. And the call to become more and more like him is the call to become more and more holy, to become more and more pure, to become more and more set apart, to ooze more and more mercy, to do more and more justice. That is the call of Jesus. And as we follow Jesus, he is going to mold and shape us into his image. And because we all come at this thing from different contexts, from different backgrounds, from different issues, the things that God puts in front of us are going to be different. But the truth is, all of us are going to have things in our life that God's going to say, you need to cut that out. You need to be done with that. That thing, that gray area, it's not gray for you anymore. And me, as a pastor of this church, I don't think we can say, G movies for all time except for Disney. That might be my thing. It's not my thing. But that could be, right? Depending on my stuff, what God's doing, there is this thing. And we have so many different ways in which we do it that we will be perilous if we think the way that God has called us, the things that we are working on right now, must be for all people. So we must show mercy. I mean, I see things in jail's life where I'm like, God, you've got to get after that. And jail's like, I'm, it's cool, right? No, I'm just getting jail, right? I can't put my junk on him. He can't put his junk on me. We extend mercy to each other as we push each other to know Jesus. And here's my challenge for you. I hate challenges. It's so nasty. But it is a challenge. What is the thing that Jesus might be asking you to be done with? If you were going to follow Jesus, Jesus might be asking you to be done with something. 
He may not be asking your whole church to be done with it, but he's definitely asking you. If you are not ready to be done with it, you are breaking God's law of humility, right? We are to submit to Jesus. Now, thankfully, God shows mercy to us. But you need to understand, right, that's breaking God's law. If you're like, there's nothing in my life that God's telling me to give up. I am doing just fine. Wow, you just need to know that you are not, you're breaking the law. You are not following Jesus. We always are moving. We are always working after stuff. And if you're like, I'm good, I love God, I'm not hurting anybody, then you've missed it. You do not know God. You do not know his heart. And you need to spend time with him, to wrestle with him, to figure out what is God's heart for you and to follow him and to give those things up. Because being a follower of Christ takes effort. It takes discipline. It takes hard work. It is awful on one hand. It is challenging and wrecking. The flip side is that God heals us, molds us, shapes us, transforms us into his image, and we begin to become bearers of good fruit. We begin to become people who ooze the good news and grace of Jesus Christ, who extend mercy to our context, who do justice in our context, and who make space for others because we are humble in our context. So the question is, what in the world are we supposed to do? What are the laws that we are to follow? And this is a question that people have been asking since the beginning of time. And God, through the prophet Micah, sums it up. He says, what laws are we supposed to follow? He has shown you, O mortal, what is good. What does the Lord require of you? To love mercy, to act justly, and to walk humbly with your God. Let me pray for us, and then we'll get out of here. Heavenly Father and our gracious God, it's so fun and easy to be flip about the law, about legalism and how you just rail on legalists. And we love our freedom and we love our grace. But if we're honest, most of us are drunk on your grace. So God, this morning, I just pray that you would continue to extend mercy to me and to our church as we try to understand what it means to know you and to follow you. Through your Holy Spirit, God, convict us. Show us the things that we need to get rid of in our life so that we can be the holy and pure representatives of you. But God, do not let us fall into the trap of simply saying no to this and no to that and no to that, but let us take the meaty, red meat of faith to not just not do things, God, but to actually love mercy, to do justice, and to walk humbly with you all the days of our life. Amen.